Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. One of the central teachings of the scriptures that was restored to the church through the work of the reformer, Martin Luther, is, as the Apostle Paul writes in Romans, we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Today's appointed gospel reading, Jesus' parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, anticipates, as it were, this Reformation theme by setting before us this question. Are you going home justified? And that is indeed a most important question. It is the question that determines your present and eternal relationship with the one holy God. When you leave this place today, Will you go home with your sins forgiven or with your sins still lying heavy upon you? When you close your eyes in death, will you go to your eternal home justified, declared by God to be innocent, righteous, and holy? Or will you go into eternity as one under the condemnation of the law, accountable to God for your works and deeds which fall far, far short of what he has commanded of you? So Jesus begins the parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, the Pharisees were the religious fanatics, the ultra-conservatives of Jesus' day. They advocated a strict adherence to the law of Moses and separation from the Gentiles and from anyone who did not live according to the law or more precisely, the law as they understood it. Hence their name, Pharisees, or separated ones. And to the Pharisees, the disposition of one's heart was far less important than one's outward actions. And outward religious actions were a plenty among them. In the Gospels, for instance, Jesus has a few choice words to say about their praying on the street corners to be seen by others, about making their phylacteries or their leather prayer bands broad and wide to impress people, about letting others know that they were fasting, about making a big public production of dropping a few shekels into the temple coffers. And they had even come up with over 600 rules and regulations that supposedly covered every possible violation of the Ten Commandments and that would supposedly ensure a person's obedience to the law. Things like how far you can walk on the Sabbath day without it being work, or how to precisely wash your hands to be clean, and the like. Now the other man who went to the temple to pray was a tax collector. And in Jesus' day, tax collectors, or publicans, were regarded with an even greater disdain than tax collectors are today, if you can imagine that. Not only was it common knowledge that most of the tax collectors were guilty of legalized stealing, lining their pockets with excess taxes that they collected from the people, but they were also employees of the hated Romans who occupied the promised land and who promised a heavy tax burden on the people. And as a result, these tax collectors were social and religious outcasts among their own people, regarded no differently than prostitutes and other notorious sinners. Jesus draws our attention first to a Pharisee who, standing by himself, prayed. 
Now, let's get the picture that Jesus is painting here. This Pharisee is in the temple, more specifically in what was called the court of Israel, the area where only Israelite men could enter and which was situated just below and in view of the great altar and the inner sanctuary of the temple. He is there to participate in the daily public prayer when the Levitical choirs would be chanting the psalms and the priests were offering up the morning or evening sacrifice on the altar. Instead of joining with the crowd of worshipers, however, this Pharisee stands apart by himself to pray. And why does he do that? Well, our text answers. Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Why does this Pharisee stand apart by himself? Well, since he thinks he is ceremonially and morally clean in the sight of God, he is surely not going to contaminate himself by brushing up against someone who is unclean. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Since it was the custom of the Jews at that time to pray aloud, we can probably assume that this Pharisee is speaking loud enough for those around him to hear what he is saying. And what a prayer it is, if you can even call it that. After all, when God's people pray, should they not praise and thank him for his undeserved blessings of body and soul? Should they not confess their sins and violations of God's law to him? Should they not ask God for what pertains to their needs and the needs of others? You know, what Jesus tells us to pray for in the Lord's Prayer. But this Pharisee, however, does none of this in his prayer. He makes no requests, no petitions, no intercessions. There is no confession of his sins, and he is not really thanking God, even though he might begin his prayer by saying, God, I thank you. For not only does he pray by himself, he prays to and about himself. His prayer is really nothing more than a self-righteous boast before God, a self-advertisement to others of how good he is and of all the good things he has done. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Notice how the Pharisee picks out the tax collector as someone who obviously is inferior to him. He measures himself not against God's law, but rather against this tax collector, something, yes, that we are all prone to do at times as well. You know, well, at least I'm not as bad as Ralph is. I'm doing okay. (laughs) But this Pharisee doesn't even leave it at that. He proceeds to boast about himself. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. The law of Moses stipulated a fast only once a year on the Day of Atonement. But this man fasts twice a week. The Old Testament law required that a person tithe or give 10% of his grain, wine, oil, and flocks back to the Lord as a concrete acknowledgement that all he has comes from God and which was used to support the priests and Levites. 
But this Pharisee goes way beyond what is required and gives 10% of everything that he has. Yes, here is a man who prides himself on his more than perfect observance of the law. He stands apart from the people lest he defile himself. He congratulates himself and condemns a nearby tax collector. He brags about how he not only has kept the law, but that he has even exceeded what the law required. He is a man who is righteous in his own eyes, who believes that he has made himself good and right in God's eyes, who justifies himself, who has no awareness of his sin, who sees no need for repentance. O Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. And the irony in all this is that this Pharisee says and does all this right in front of the altar. Right when a lamb is being sacrificed on the altar as a sin offering for the people. Something, however, that he does not think he needs. As already mentioned, a tax collector also went into the temple in order to pray. Like this Pharisee, the man stands apart from the crowd of worshipers. In fact, we are told that he stood far off. But what a difference between him and that Pharisee. The Pharisee stands apart because he thinks he is better than everyone else. The tax collector stands far off because he does not think he is worthy to stand before God or with God's people. And this tax collector does not even look up to heaven when he prays. Instead, he beats his breast. Why does he do that? Well, because as Jesus puts it in another place, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. And to beat the chest is to pound one's heart, an expression of great pain and anguish of spirit, soul, and mind, of deep sorrow over sins which have their origin in our sinful heart. God Be merciful to me, a sinner. He can only cry out. Or more literally, God, make atonement for me, a sinner. After all, remember when and where this tax collector is making this request. He is in the temple with other worshipers. A lamb had just been sacrificed on the altar as a sin offering for the people, as a sacrifice of atonement. And when the tax collector thus prays, God, be merciful to me, make atonement. Atonement to me, a sinner. He does so not because he is worthy of God's forgiveness, not because he has earned God's grace and mercy, not because he is such a law abiding man, not even because he promises to live better in the future. No, he prays this only because of the lamb that was sacrificed in his place on the altar as the atoning sacrifice for his sins. To be sure, not really that particular lamb. After all, as the writer of Hebrews says, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Rather, all those Old Testament sacrifices are but shadows of the good things to come. That is, they are types of that one perfect sacrifice that would be made for all sins, for all people. For all time, the sacrifice of the very Lamb of God, Jesus himself, on the altar of the cross. 
So the writer of the Hebrews goes on to say, Christ has appeared once for all to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And again, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Jesus then concludes the parable. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Quite frankly, the Pharisee was wasting his time and his breath in the temple. For he returned to his home unjustified. His false pride, his false goodness, his condemnation of others actually intensified his guilt and increased his sin in the sight of God. Ironic, isn't it, that his coming to God's house made him even more in need of that atoning sacrifice for sin than before. The tax collector, on the other hand, did return home right with God, at peace with God, justified in God's sight. He had come into God's house with a broken heart as an unworthy sinner, not excusing his sin but confessing them, trusting not in himself and in his works and deeds, but only in the atoning sacrifice of the Lamb which God himself had prepared. Now, in addition to what we have already considered, there are a few other aspects of this parable that we would do well to also note. First, regardless of the good things that people might think of us or of what we might think of ourselves, the fact of the matter is that we are all sinners and in need of God's grace and mercy, of his forgiveness. None is righteous. No, not one, St. Paul writes in Romans. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And when you come before the Lord God, the very first thing that can come forth from your lips and heart is and must be those same words that the tax collector said. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Second, those of us who are in regular worship attendants who do contribute a generous offering to the Lord, who do give of our time and talents for the work of Christ's church, who do read our Bible and say our prayers, who do live an outward, decent, and moral life, can so easily be tempted to think that all of that makes us look pretty good in God's eyes, especially when compared with those people who do not do those things. Instead of comparing ourselves with others, however, we always need to compare ourselves with God's standard for how we should live, his holy law. Consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments, is how the Catechism puts it. For instance, instead of simply throwing up our hands in pious indignation and disgust over the blatant violations of the Sixth and Seventh Commandment that we hear and see so much of these days on the news and on television shows, should we not first take to heart ourselves what Jesus says? Everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. You cannot serve God and money. Third, Jesus could just as easily have turned this parable around, a proud, unrepentant tax collector and a humble, repentant Pharisee. 
In fact, in the New Testament, we do read of some Pharisees who came to put their trust not in themselves and their good works, but in the atoning work of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. We think especially, of course, of the one who called himself a Pharisee of Pharisees and who had once regarded himself as blameless and righteous under the law, the Apostle Paul himself, but who would later write these words, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. And in our society today, is it not the self-righteous, unrepentant tax collectors and sinners who often seek to justify themselves, excusing away their sins and violations of God's law by saying, well, I'm only human. I have a right to live any way I want to live. Love is love, after all. Fourth, God's grace and mercy to sinners, his forgiveness, the blessings of the atoning sacrifice for sins made by the Lamb of God is given and imparted only in his temple. That is, only where his holy word is proclaimed and heard, only where his holy supper is administered and received. In fact, that is the only reason why you should even be here again this Sunday morning. Listen to how Dr. Luther puts it in the large catechism. Everything in the Christian church is so ordered that we might receive forgiveness of our sins through the word and the sacraments, which are appointed to comfort and revive our consciences as long as we live. But outside the Christian church, that is, where the gospel is not, there is no forgiveness and hence no holiness. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper in the divine service, we find ourselves in the same setting as the Pharisee and tax collector who were in the temple during the sacrifice of the atonement of the Lamb. We see before us the very body and blood given and shed by the Lamb of God who alone takes away the sins of the world. But how will you come before the altar of the Lord? Will you come as the Pharisee did? Or like the tax collector? Will you come thinking you are worthy to do so because of your good life? Or will you come as a poor, miserable sinner in need of Christ's atoning sacrifice and his forgiveness? And how you come before the Lord's altar in his temple will determine how you return home. And not just to your earthly home, but also to your eternal home either as a self-righteous Pharisee who God judges and to whom he will say, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Or as a Lamb of God, trusting tax collector, who God justifies and to whom he will say, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And to that end, we thus pray with the Reformer these words. Help us, O God, our dear Lord and Savior, that we may remain pious sinners and not become holy blasphemers. Amen. And so may the peace that surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.